Tonight, my focus will be on the coming one world government. I told you last week I'm going to be speaking about quantum computing and the one world monetary system. We're going to get to those topics because they're both included in understanding the one world government and getting an idea of what the one world government is going to look like. But first, let's start out with some scriptures that will help us understand what we're going to be expecting uh, to see. Uh, No, not us. Um, But those that are here to see that government established, um, we're going to be seeing some of these very things. So uh, in Revelation chapter 13, John wrote about what uh, the Antichrist was going to be doing and looking like at that time. So in verse 1 of chapter 13 in Revelation, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven hands and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, And on his head, a blasphemous name. And now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him power, his throne, and a great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast." And so they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Everyone here have ears? Good. Glad to hear that. So then you can hear this. The beast we're speaking of is not Satan. This is the Antichrist, but he has many of the same features as Satan. When uh, you look at chapter 12 and verse 3, um, it says, Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns. So it's the same looking. It's like the same image. Well, You know, isn't that funny how God the Father and God the Son, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And, you know, so here is Satan trying to imitate the Trinity, trying to make himself look like he is God. In verse 2 of 13, we see that the dragon gave him his power. So Satan was the one to give the Antichrist power. And then in verse 5, we're told that the beast was given authority to continue for 42 months. That's three and a half years. That's the second half of the tribulation period. He didn't have authority. It was given to him. Anyone in authority on the earth had that authority given to them because God can raise you up or take you down and all authority comes from God as we read in Romans chapter 13 uh, two weeks ago. So he blasphemed against God and God's tabernacle. That's the temple. He blasphemed against those and those who dwell in heaven. That's going to be us. Because the rapture happens before this happens. And so we won't uh, be here to experience all of this, but we will be in heaven. He was allowed to make war with the saints and overcome them. And those are the saints that will be here through the tribulation period. Who are these saints? Many of the saints that 
will be here are the ones that you have talked to, you've witnessed to, you shared the gospel with, you told them what's coming, and they didn't believe you. And then the rapture is going to happen, and they're going to say, oh, what did I do? I didn't believe them. And then they're going to realize, I I missed it. And so many of them will become believers at that time because they'll realize everything they had heard uh, was true. Surprisingly, many won't. There will be many who believe, oh, God should have taken me. I was a good person. As a matter of fact, I was a better person than that neighbor of mine that he took. I was better than them. They were jerks. Hey, I've got good news. You can be a jerk and go to heaven. It can happen. You see, because when we're saved, we're not perfect. We're not sinless. We're still in this flesh. I don't like it any more than you do. But the good news is we've been promised something beyond the flesh. And that doesn't make, give us an excuse to sin. It doesn't give us an excuse to live in sin. What, shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound because we have been given grace for our um, sinful condition? No. God forbid, how can we continue in sin any longer? But those believers that will be tribulation saints are going to be overcome by the enemy. Authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. That's everything. This is a new government and he's in charge of it all. Now it isn't the United States of the world or anything like that. It may not actually look like just like we have uh, 50 states or or some presidents say 52. Um, you, you can have individual states that have their own rules and laws and so on and so forth, but they still have to be obedient uh, to the federal guidelines and structures that are in place. So he's going to take authority and he's going to have a new set of rules. Who's making up these rules? I can think of a few organizations that have been preparing for such an event as the rapture. And that would be like the United Nations, the World Economic Forum, the International Monetary Fund. Many of these organizations that have rules that currently contradict what we have set in place in our Constitution and in our federal laws. But he is going to now establish this one world government. Everyone who's alive on earth will be required to worship him. And everyone will worship him, we're told, except for those whose names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You see, there were those tribulation saints that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life and they will be protected, they will be saved, they won't have to worship the beast. So he does have a team working with him in Revelation 17 in verses 12 and 13. It says, The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they received authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind and they will give their power and authority to the beast. And uh, so these are ten kings. They have no kingdom. They're not uh, the, the king of England, the president of the United States. You know, the, it's not leaders that are filling in here. 
But it may be some of those very people that are running those organizations or NGOs or something like that that will be involved. Uh, maybe that will be handpicked from Davos uh, next year, and they'll have their, uh, their names uh, enshrined, uh, ready to go. They may not even know who they are. They may not know that they're following after this and doing this. You know, Judas didn't know. Judas was just going along with what he thought was right, what he felt. And and that's why eventually he committed suicide, because he realized what he did was wrong. But because he was foolish and going along with the his own pride, his own selfishness, um, he ended up um, losing it. Figuratively and physically. Daniel also wrote about three kingdoms, four kingdoms actually, but three kingdoms uh, that have already um, been passed and there's the next kingdom to come. In Daniel 7.23 he said, Uh, Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the other kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and trample it in pieces. This is the Antichrist kingdom. And it's going to be different than the other ones because it's going to devour the whole earth. So what else will this leader, the beast, do we read um, in Revelation 13, beginning in verse 10? He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. When I saw another beast coming out of the earth, and he spoke, to, uh, he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and all those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast." telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And so this is the false prophet. There's going to be a lot of captivity and killing, but the saints, the tribulation saints, are told in verse 10, be patient, have faith, and be patient during this time. It's easier to be patient now than to waiting till then to be patient because then you're, you're not going to want to have patience. You're just going to want to get it over with. But that's why um, the message is be ready now. Be ready for whenever he returns. In verse 11, the other beast coming out of the earth, that's the false prophet, and he completes that holy trinity. Satan the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Those are the three that are false. And he has authority to perform miracles. That's why he's able to deceive uh, the people on the earth. All you need is a good miracle to deceive people. And, uh, and he comes up with some good ones calling fire out of heaven. And that's his uh, big trick. In Revelation thirteen fifteen, we see how the false prophet and the beast use technology uh, to accomplish their purposes. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. 
Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of the man. His number is 666. And so the image referenced is probably the same image that Jesus talked about in uh, chapter 24 of Matthew, where he said, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, get out of Jerusalem, run, and get out of here. And that's probably the same image as the abomination of desolation is spoken of by Daniel. This is a, an image that's going to be able to speak and probably do some other amazing things. We know that the Antichrist is not omnipresent. He can only be at one place at a time. And so if he has this image who is able to speak, he can go on his way and do other things while the image is kind of filling in for him. And so people will think his presence is still there. Kind of imitating God, right? How God would speak to the high priest would come on the day of atonement and would come into the holy of holies in the temple and and here he once again is trying to um, to imitate God. If he has that AI connectivity, it's going to be a lot easier for him to do things, especially AI connected with a quantum computer able to do things much faster. Um, We're going to get into that in a second. So he also marks his people with a mark. We've heard about this for many years, the mark of the beast and, and, you know, the mark on the back of your hand. It was, you know, it started off being the UPC code and Procter and Gamble was going to be in charge of it and, and everybody was going to have this on the, on the back of their hand. And now we don't know what it's going to look like. Uh, it, it's, but it's definitely going to be something that is related to uh, the Antichrist. But you know, we are also marked. Ephesians 4.30 says, we are sealed until the day of redemption. And that mark can't be washed off, cut off, or anything else. We're, we're sealed. And we're sealed, and we know it, because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Well, that's his version of the seal that God gives all of his people. And those that have their name in the Lamb's Book of Life will be sealed also. They will have a seal. Now, they're not going to have um, the option of a rapture saving them. They're going to have to endure what's taking place on the earth at that time. But they will be sealed. Their name will be in the Lamb's Book of Life. He's also not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. So he needs a way to know, to have information that people believe that he knows everything. It doesn't matter whether it's true or not. There are many people that believe information that isn't true. We're not talking about them tonight. But Enter quantum computing. This is a very possible scenario that's going to um, help him accomplish his purposes. At the same time, AI is developing right now, and we see how rapidly AI is developing. Quantum computing is developing also. So there's this uh, company, um, uh, Mars. Uh, They... Uh, wrote friend or foe on the mind-bending potential of quantum computing. Quantum has the potential to open up revolutionary new medicines or rapidly change how we develop anything from energy storage solutions to carbon sequestration. 
says Rafal Janik, COO at Xanadu, a Toronto-based quantum computing company. It might really solve some of the world's biggest problems. Quantum computing can do that. Isn't that amazing? And here is Rafael speaking about technological things, energy storage solution, and carbon sequestration. That's a fancy way of saying remove, removing carbon from the atmosphere and putting it into a liquid or a, um, a solid type form. And, and that's what he thinks that quantum computing is going to be able to do. Supercomputers are the standard right now uh, for doing major complex um, calculations. They're the standard. And supercomputers, there's bunches of them everywhere. But they are advancing. I I was just reading up on this. I I knew there were many supercomputers out there, but I didn't realize how fast they were advancing. Every year, a, a, a different company is now advancing their supercomputer to be twice as fast as last year. Every year. They're advancing like this. So I was looking at the fastest supercomputer out there in 2019. And uh, this was a company, Fujitsu uh, made it. It was in Japan. And it's the first time the U.S. didn't have the fastest one out there. And, uh, and it didn't last long. Uh, because then the U.S. came back with three of them from three different companies. And, uh, and so uh, the current one uh, was, uh, the last one I, I was able to detect was from uh, 2022. And the supercomputer um, took over uh, and became the leading uh, supercomputer. And that's this one here. This is Frontier. And uh, you can see how massive this thing is. It takes up a huge footprint and uh, it's able to do some amazing calculations. Still can't get the weather right, can they? But, um, but that's one of the major things that these supercomputers are used for, for weather predicting. So, uh, yeah, they still, they got to work on that a little bit. So, the actual, um, so the size of that is amazing, but the next slide is an actual quantum computer. That's it. It looks like a chandelier that maybe some of you have over your dining room. To get rid of it. It's ugly. But here is a, 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 an amazing small piece of equipment that uses up very little energy compared to that massive thing that you saw that was the supercomputer. Now, there are many different types of quantum computers right now. They have um, some that are using light and photons, some using lasers, some using... There are different technologies that are out there. And what they're trying to do, because this particular one needs to operate at near zero Kelvin. So it's very hard to achieve that kind of temperature. And fortunately, it's that small, so they can do it in a small space. You know, if they had to do it in a big room like the other one, it would be very hard to do. But because they can do it in a small space, they can achieve those kind of temperatures. And it's an amazing little thing, uh, the computer there. So then we have um, slide 29. A supercomputer needs to wait for one process to end before it begins another one. Quantum computers can do many processes at one time. So, if any of you know what bits are and how computers work with bits, one or zero, that's it. And it's either one or zero. Quantum computers can be one, zero, or both. And 
what? You know, it just... I don't have the mind to work on a quantum computer. I barely have a mind to reinstall Windows when my computer crashes. But um, So here is this uh, void, and there's a big difference between the way that the supercomputers work and quantum computers work. Here's the main difference. Supercomputers still have to wait every time uh, a process is done, and quantum computers don't. Here's an example. You have a thousand doors, and all of them are locked except for one. The computer's supercomputer has to go through each one and check each door. Is this door open? No. Okay, is this door open? No. Is this door open? No. And it has to keep going. And so it takes time to accomplish that. If you have a million doors, it takes longer. If you have 10 million doors, it takes even longer. And so that's why complex calculations take such a long time to be able to accomplish using a supercomputer. How does quantum computer work? You have the same number of doors. It checks every door at the same time and finds the one that's unlocked. Bam, and it's done. So how does it do that? I don't know. And I'm not going to throw my keys away to see if the quantum computer can figure out where they are. Uh, it's just something that it's capable of doing. And these people that are programming these things understand that. And they're finding... Now, the, the chip in a quantum computer, I don't want to get really, really technical, but that's where all of the processes are completed in this, in this chip. And uh, they're advancing what that chip is capable of doing in great leaps. Uh, every few months, they're coming up with new abilities and, and, and more calculations and so on and so forth. So let's see the level of progress uh, being made with uh, quantum, quantum computing. That it can perform a computation in seconds what would take the world's fastest supercomputer years, thousands of years to do that same calculation. And in the field, this is known as quantum supremacy, and it's a really important milestone. Google used a 53-qubit processor named Sycamore to complete the computation, a completely arbitrary mathematical problem with no real-world application. The Google quantum computer spit out an answer in about 200 seconds. It would have taken the world's fastest computer around 10,000 years to come up with a solution, according to Google scientists. With that, Google claimed it had won the race to quantum supremacy. But IBM had an issue with the findings. Yes. IBM, the storied tech company that helped usher in giant mainframes and personal computing, it's a major player in quantum computing. IBM said one of its massive supercomputer networks, this one at the Oak Ridge National Laboratories in Tennessee, could simulate a quantum computer and theoretically solve the same problem in a matter of days, not the 10,000 years that Google had claimed. Either way, it was a huge milestone for quantum computers. So here they say, no, it didn't take 10,000 years to solve the problem. It only took 2.5 days, but the quantum computer can do it in 200 seconds, still under four minutes. Uh, the, the thing is, is that they haven't shown anyone that they were able to solve the problem in 2.5 days. And so there's that problem and issue going. Here, here's the thing. Everybody wants to be the first. Everyone wants to see that, that you know, the, their name up at the top of the list. But it's changing so quickly. That IBM Computer Summit that you saw there in 2019 was the leader before the Japanese computer took it over. But now it's way down on the list. It's like number seven or eight on the list right now as a supercomputer. And, and so the technology continues to change. So if 
they're capable of doing computations uh, even in 2.5 days and they're capable of doing it in four minutes uh, that shows that this quantum computing has an advantage. It can do something that these massive supercomputers uh, are not able to do. Here, uh, MIT Technology Review, Google and NASA launch quantum computing AI lab. Oh, that's scary. A quantum computer AI lab? Look at the date. This is from 2013. They launched an AI lab in 2013. Where are they now? We don't hear about this lab anymore. We don't hear what's going on with AI and quantum computing, but here it is. The Quantum Artificial Intelligence Lab will be the most advanced commercially available quantum computer, the D-Wave 2. Well, D-Wave is now um, the, one of the leaders in photon quantum computing, and they are you know, putting out some of the fastest. They're also building commercial quantum computers for sale to other organizations. Who is using them? Microsoft is. Microsoft is using them in their Azure online web services. They're using quantum computing. Amazon, AWS, Amazon Web Services, they're using it also. So quantum computing is actually being used. It's not being advertised that it's being used. Because each of the companies that are using quantum computing want to be able to deliver the fastest responses from customers that are using their equipment. And they don't want you to know what they're doing on the back end. They just want you to know that it works really fast. And so that's what's taking place right now. Quantum computing can be the very thing that the Antichrist uses. Uh, that's not an actual picture of him. But um, the, the Antichrist, and see the statue there, is um, the one that will be inside the temple. And it's going to be able to speak. So can you imagine having this system so if someone asks a question of the AI and quantum computing has the answer just like that, not only does it have the answer, it knows everything about you before you ask the question. It has facial recognition. You know how your phone can you know, have facial recognition so you can unlock your phone just by holding it in front of your face? Well, the AI can have facial recognition so that as soon as you walk into the space and look at it, it can say, hi, Jerry, how are you? You know, welcome. You know, can I help you? What, what's your problem? Oh, I know what your problem is. I see your bank account. And I, I can see what the problem is. So, uh, you know, how can I help you? And, and it knows how to answer problems. You know, so is it capable of doing? Well, right now, even using supercomputers, we have a lot of that technology. It's only because our HIPAA laws protect us from having our... You, you, you believe that, don't you? Your HIPAA laws protected you. No one knows what's going on with your medical files or anything like that. Everything's out there. Everything is out there. There's nothing you can hide anymore. It's, and if it's not out there, they'll fake it. They'll, they'll put something out there that will um, tell people what they want uh, to believe. So... Let's transition now from quantum computing to a new topic, the Great Reset. You've heard this term before, right? And, and it's said always, uh, it depends on who you are. Uh, if you're in 
one ball club, it could be the Great Reset, woohoo! And if you're in another, you could say, oh, the Great Reset, stop! Stop trying to do that. There are people that are actually very happy about a Great Reset, and they don't hide it. There are many articles out there on the internet how the Great Reset is going to be the best thing. Number one is Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. You know, they are promoting it. They're coming up with all kinds of plans. I've, I, I found in my um, studying and preparing for this presentation that uh, you have to have certain access to get to some of the uh, maps and stuff like that on the World Economic Forum. I, unfortunately, am not one of the Illuminati. So I don't have access to that information. They won't let me get there. I have an account, but they won't let me get to some of this information. And information that was there a few weeks ago is no longer there. You click on it. Even clicking on links from their articles, it will come up and say, sorry, that doesn't exist. What are you talking about? It was there. You know, fortunately... Some of my friends have screenshots of almost everything that's on there. And, uh, and, and if we really cared about that, we would do it. But that's not the level I want to take the discussion tonight. I want to do an overview and uh, discuss some of the stuff that's going on. So to achieve the one world government, many things first have to change. Here's what Klaus Schwab, the leader of the World Economic Forum, says. He says, The pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. He thinks this is a great thing. Many other people are like, Woohoo, we're going to change the world. This is going to be the best thing since sliced bread. What he really said was, The pandemic gave us an opportunity to grab more control. That's what he is really saying up there. I, I, just, I, I can read slide, so I know how to interpret that. That's what he said. Here's a, another building of the Great Reset. Finding ways for technologies to harmonize, not polarize, and for us all to make deeper, more meaningful connections with each other, and with the natural world, that will reduce the distance that allows us to see our fellow humans as we truly are. Not other, but just like us. This is probably the most important building block of all to make the great reset, the transformation our generation can look on with pride and probably amazement. Wow. It makes you want to be part of it, doesn't it? It sounds really good. And, and, you know, so all of this is telling you that if you think anything otherwise, you're wrong. If you don't agree with this, then you're missing the truth. This is how you build equity. That's what it's saying. We're, we're going to build equity. Of course, equity, um, that's based on who's defining the word equity, you know, because many different people define it differently. Even the BBC questions the intent of the World Economic Forum and, and Schwab. Professor Schwab does speak about a wealth tax and ending fossil fuel subsidies. But the scope is huge, covering technology, climate change, the future of work, international security, and other themes. And it's difficult to see precisely what the Great Reset might mean in practice. This lack of clarity, combined with the plan being launched by an influential organization, provided fertile ground for conspiracy theories to grow. Yeah. Conspiracy theories. 
there are lots of conspiracy theories out there today, and I, I hear many of them. I know, you know, many of, you know, I, I heard one recently about the moon landing and everything, and, you know, oh, who took Neil Armstrong's picture, you know, when he landed on the moon? Someone took the picture of him as he was taking uh, that step, you know, and... Uh, it was Alice Cramden, um, you know, because to the moon, Alice, you know, had to have been. Here are the Great Reset agendas. I didn't just pull these out of thin air. All of these agendas are readily available on the World Economic Forum website. And they're all, some of them have much more um, explanation behind them. Uh, they go into greater detail. I, I found that a few of them I was looking at and the next thing you know I was like seven screens in and I still hadn't reached the end of what the point was and what they were trying uh, to say. Digital identity is going to be huge. It's going to be huge. We already started digital identity, especially if you travel overseas and, and you get that special pass when uh, you go overseas. And, and every time you get, uh, you know, the pass, what was the one that they, what's it called uh, for the passport? And you get a, what? Yeah. And then you get that number. You, you get that. Pass. And then as soon as I did, so I can go to Israel, they came up with a new one, clear. And, and I don't have clear, you know. So I'm standing in a line where all the other fools that just went and registered for this one. And then there are people going through with clear. But the more access you give them to your information, the faster you can get through. And you can see how that system works. And how you're never going to get ahead by giving them more information. It's just going to give them the opportunity to mess things up. Digital identity. Fourth, industrial revolution. That's all over the place. You look up World Economic Forum, fourth industrial revolution. It comes up. It's like um, it, they're very proud of this fourth industrial revolution. Vaccination. I don't. Don't need to say anything more. The media, entertainment, and culture is part of what they're really focused on because that's how they get their message out. Uh, it, you know, you watch movies now, shows, anything. We used to watch the Hallmark Channel. Oh, you can watch, the, you can watch 10 movies and it would seem like you just watched one because they all had the same beginning and middle and end. But... It was wholesome. It was, it was good. You know, you, you felt good at the end of the movie, you know. And, and Cheryl and I used to clap when they kissed. And, you know, it was like, okay, you know, that's... But, you know what? There's none of that now. Now, when you go to Hallmark, you, you, ha you have all kinds of homosexual characters in the back. And they make everything look so wonderful, and so pretty and so nice. And they're just uh, making things uh, very... And they slip in little bits that support what they're trying to mold people to do. Climate change is huge. There's climate change everywhere. There's nothing that you can do. You can't get away from climate change. Everything now has some aspect of climate change in it. Um, the healthcare system, economic progress, international security. What is in it? That ties back to digital identity. You see, if you, everyone has a digital identity, then you can now have international security because people can't travel and so on and so forth without having their digital identity known. The Green New Deal. I've always hated vegetables. Oceans and forests. And now they're focusing on nature itself. And uh, they're really doing a big push with that right now. LGBTQ+, justice and law. You know, 
the justice system in the United States has been going downhill for a while. And, you know, now I feel sorry for lawyers who have to deal with this because it's a moving target. There, you know, this is uh, something that uh, there is no justice in the justice system right now. Um, Civic participation, you're almost going to be required to get involved in civic participation, having your civic duties that you're going to be assigned. Systemic racism. No one knows specifically what that is right now. It's a moving target also. It matters where you live. It just depends on which kind of... I think there's just as much systemic racism against Christians right now um, that then there is against, and it's, uh, there isn't racism. Christianity isn't a race. You know, we're, we're not a race of people. Yes, we are. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're, we are a race. I beg to differ. Human rights, human rights, um, that's something that they violate. It's them that are violated because they are up in the upper rung and so they violate the human rights of as long as they help the, the littlest people, then they're doing what they, it's the middle class that's the problem. And digital economy, oof, that's something that we're going to need to talk about here. Digital uh, economy. Let's l- take a look at what that can possibly mean. Go ahead and bring up slide 10. So the CBDCs are digital money. Has, it, has it, everyone heard of CBDCs? Have you, if you heard, raise your hand. Okay, good. Some of you are informed about CBDCs. I wasn't really deeply informed about them until I started doing this investigation. Digital money, it's a digital equipment to physical banknotes and coins. It's not like Bitcoin, okay? But... Um, it, it is digital money. Central bank control and regulation. So this is central bank issuing a digital um, dollar, basically, digital banknotes. And they distinguishing it from decentralized crist- uh, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and stuff, that operate independently of any central authority. Um, it's going to be legal tender accepted as a form of payment for goods and services. It already is in some places. They're already accepting CBDCs in some countries. And direct liability of the central bank. So the central bank is going to back it, um, and they're going to even maybe have reserves to protect it. Uh, You know, when you have um, your digital currency assigned to you, you don't earn interest. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, you don't earn interest on your money. I'm, I'm not interested in that. Um, so that's what CBDCs are. Um, and here, what are they for? Here is a Canadian response from the Bank of Canada. They're all in. They're pushing forward with this. Uh, the purpose is... They're designed to make the financial system more efficient, secure, and inclusive. To who? Inclusive? Canadians have long embraced digital transactions. We make purchases, pay bills, and transfer money to people around the world with the tap of a card or a click of a button every single day. We do all this using regular government-backed Canadian dollars. And so that's what their CBDC is going to use. Their digital dollars are going to act just like that. And they're trying to sell you on the fact that it's going to be the same, except it's going to be more efficient, secure, and inclusive. That word just gnaws at me. How is it going to... If you don't have money, you're not going to have digital money either. You're not going to include people that 
are excluded because they don't have money. And so this is kind of, as a matter of fact, it's going to further divide them and push them away because they're not going to have any way to earn. You know, they can't panhandle and, hey, can you give me some of your digital money? You know, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to wave my phone in front of you. Uh, No, I'm not going to do that. So that's Canada. Um, How many countries have a CBDC? As of June 2023, more than 100 countries were actively exploring or engaging in the use of CBDCs, according to a report by finance publication Finbold. The number of countries in advanced exploration phases grew from 50 to 64 from May to June 2023, May 2022 to June. So in 13 months, it grew just that small number. It doesn't seem like a lot, but 64 is a lot. There's over 100 that are exploring it. And if there are 100 exploring it, you know it's just a matter of time before they actually jump in. So if there are companies that are exploring it but don't have the means to do it, don't you think someone's going to help them out? Like the United States, we help everyone out. And we will be right on the front end Uh, the cutting edge of rolling out this technology. Uh, Financial Times is also concerned about the money being tied to a digital ID management system. He says, what CBDC research and experimentation appears to be showing is that it will be nigh on impossible to issue such currencies outside of a comprehensive national digital ID management system meaning CBDCs will likely be tied to personal accounts that include personal data, credit history, and other forms of relevant information. Um, So is that anything to be nervous about? Nah. Well, my information is out there on the dark web anyway, right? So uh, Iswar Prasad is the senior professor of trade policy at Cornell University. This is what he said in June. He said, now we are at the cusp of physical currency essentially disappearing, getting rid of it completely. Well, that makes sense because it can be robbed. You can lose it. It can burn in a fire. There are so many things that can happen with physical currency. So it just makes sense that we get away. We're using credit cards and debit cards anyway, right? I mean, and now all you have to do is tap the card. You don't even have to slide it. You don't have to even put it in. Now you could just tap it, and it's reading uh, the card. Uh, here's more from Mr. Prasad at the same meeting. And the one final note I will uh, make is that if you think about the benefits of digital money, there are huge potential gains. It's not just about uh, digital forms of physical currency. You can have programmability, you know, um, units of central bank currency with expiry dates. You could have, as I argue in my book, a potentially better, and uh, some people might see it, or a darker world where the government decides that units of central bank money can be used to purchase some things, but not other things that it deems less desirable, like, say, ammunition or drugs or pornography or something of the sort. And that is very powerful in terms of the use of a CBDC and I think also extremely dangerous for central banks. Because ultimately, if you have different units of central bank money with different characteristics, or if you use central bank money as a conduit for economic policies in a very targeted way, or more broadly for social policies, that could really affect the integrity of central bank money and the integrity and independence of central banks. So there are wonderful notions of things that can be done with digital money, but again, I fear that technology could take us to a better place, but equally as a potential to take us to a pretty dark place. 
He said a lot in that. You know, he said it's programmable. They can turn it off. Oh, they can check if you're buying ammo, undesirable things to buy, ammunition or drugs or pornography. Uh, So now they're able to control what you can and can't buy. Oh, I'm sorry, you're not able to fly to Israel for your tour. Um, You know, Israel is closed right now. So you're not able to buy the ticket. You're not able to, and maybe we'll give you a refund. So it seems like Jamaica, the country, is a test platform for CBDCs and uh, digital identities. Weeks I will be, and days I'll be making certain announcements regarding the acceleration of Jamaica's intention to become a fully digital society. We are well on our way to this. We have established the national identification system. We have put in place our digital currency. We have given directions to our ministries to digitalize their operations. Most of our ministries are now moving from paper-based systems to digital systems. Our military is transitioning. The society is moving very quickly, very rapidly to become digital. Our banking consumers are seeing it as well because the banks are moving very rapidly to digital. You have something now called artificial intelligence. Very soon this position of a a human being exchanging cash and so that is going to disappear from the banking system very soon. And you are going to have to interface with machines. I don't want it to be a scary thought, but it is a thought that we all have to embrace. Jamaica, the test platform for what they're going to be doing with uh, digital identities. They already have their digital ID system in place and they're rolling it out. There may be some concerns about having the government um, actually in charge of that, but it, it seems to be working in most places that the government has control of things, right? So, uh, you know, in the name of climate change, they can begin to track everything. You see, all they have to do is just say, climate change is the reason we're doing this. And if you don't go along with it, then you're a climate denier, a climate change denier, and, you know, you, you are on the wrong bus. You, you need to get off the bus. So everything we buy, where we eat, if we have weapons, how far we drive, how much AC we use in our homes, all of that can be tracked using the CBDCs. So here are some of their stated goals with your carbon footprint. Uh, Economic behavior. This is on the World Economic Forum. It's still there. I I got it this afternoon. Uh, Increased costs for carbon-intensive activities and goods. Anything that has to do with using carbon, we're going to increase the cost because that will solve the problem. Economic incentives to reduce demand and improve efficiency. You're going to get, uh, you know, 3% off on your bill if you lower your use of, um, uh, of electricity. Cognitive awareness. Raised visibility of personal carbon footprints. Raised visibility. So who's raising it and how is it becoming visible? And this is all part of quantum and AI being tied in. And the World Economic Forum is all in on quantum computing. They are pushing it. I just didn't want to spend an hour talking about what they're doing with quantum computing and their, their whole push towards this technology. Um, so they raised awareness of personal carbon limits to sustain the transition to a zero, uh, net zero carbon society. Won't that make you feel better? Here's 
here's the real problem I have with this. There is no evidence whatsoever a net zero carbon society will benefit anyone or anything. There's no evidence whatsoever. Those scientists are being told, shut up. And they're not, they're out there. They have podcasts and they say things, but you try to find it. You're not going to find it because the algorithms push them to the back end. Just like if I put this on YouTube, I would be lost in, in, in oblivion. So this will be on our website, but it, I'll never put it on YouTube because I'm showing the truth to everyone. I'm, I'm revealing the things that are the truth. Social, social norms, a new definition of a fair share of personal emissions. A, a new definition of the fair share. Who are you to take up more than your fair share? And uh, they're going to redefine that. Setting of accept, uh, acceptable levels of personal emissions. And so they're going to do that. Here on this next slide, they even now have, this isn't uh, uh, an app that is on the World Economic Forum. This is an app you can go ahead and download right now. You go, go ahead and get this, and so you can track your carbon footprint. You can put it here and track it. Do you think for one minute that if you start tracking that carbon footprint, that Klaus Schwab isn't going to be looking up? Oh, oh, Rick Ponzo. I see him. I know what he's doing. I'm not, all right, it won't be Klaus. Uh, it'll be Harari or someone like that. But... You know, this is just amazing how this is going over and over and over again. We see this expanding. Uh, there are people calling it out, though. Corey ben, uh, Bernardi is a former conservative politician in Australia, and he's also concerned about this. In my words, it's essentially a personal carbon social credit system that will track everything you do, everything you buy, everything you eat. It's like Big Brother. Now, to understand why the WF are so happy, I'm going to quote directly from their website. There it goes. COVID-19 was a test of social responsibility. A huge number of unimaginable restrictions for public health were adopted by billions of citizens across the world. There were numerous examples globally of maintaining social distancing, wearing masks, mass vaccinations, and acceptance of contract tracing applications for public health which demonstrated the core of individual social responsibility. That's the WF's words. And why wouldn't they be encouraged by that? I mean, the world accepted unimaginable restrictions with nary a whimper. Imagine, just imagine how that is going to embolden their next PSYOPs project as they attempt to enslave us all. And they're also boasting about their fourth industrial revolution. It's making progress, apparently. And they're using blockchain technology, likely, which will be integrated with central bank digital currencies, to keep track of everything we do. But it's all to save the planet, of course. That's why, you see, they advocate increased costs for carbon-intensive activities. Now, these activities are things like transport, construction, electricity and the like. And they also want to reduce demand for certain, quote, unspecified things. But... I'm guessing they mean the important stuff that I just discussed that really builds a civilised society. But of course, it could also include, say, meat, air travel, how many children you can have. I mean, who knows how far they want to take this demand reduction in the name of decarbonising the planet. And to top it all off, they want the setting of personal levels of acceptable emissions and a new definition of a fair share of personal emissions enter the lexicon. Nothing to worry about there at all, is there? <laughs> so that is the general consensus of those people that actually are paying attention. Um, those people that are going along with it, and there are many of them. They think they're just doing a good thing, and they're going along with whatever the government dictates. 
Remember when uh, the vaccine was just to slow the curve and uh, two weeks and we're going to be out of this and, and all of that was happening. Digital bank currency, uh, uh, central bank digital currency, uh, with benefit from the use of AI supercomputers, um, they're going to be able to accomplish this in a very short period of time. Uh, this won't take uh, a long time to establish. Once it gets into quantum, it's a whole game changer. It, it, it'll be like night and day. And here's the thing. Our supercomputers are able to do so much. But now with the advent of AI, AI is doing things that the scientists don't understand what it's doing. They don't know how far AI is going or what it is even doing. We go to sleep at night, maybe some of us do, but we go to bed at night, AI doesn't. AI is working 24-7 and I think AI can figure out what quantum computing needs to advance quantum computing to the next level or beyond. And so that's happening. AI is happening at such a breakneck speed right now that um, I, I can't imagine how long it's going to take to accomplish all of this. And all of this is going to play into the hands of that one world leader, the leader of uh, the new world government. It's happening faster and faster. And so can you imagine? Because this happens mid-trib. So we're talking, if we were raptured today, it's still going to be three and a half years before we get there. And that's all the time they will need to accomplish their goals and to get everything in place. Fortunately, we're not going to be here for that. And, uh, you know, that's the good news for us, but it's bad news for those that are unaware. It's bad news for those that are subject to the system. It's bad news for those that are going to take a mark rather than having the seal. And so we, while we can be at peace, we can be content with our situation no matter where we are in the, the spectrum right now. We can be content because we know what's coming next. And so no matter what trial we go through, no matter what's happening in the world, we can be at peace. The world can't say the same thing. They're relying on technology to save them. Either that or Trump getting elected in the next election. He's going to save. The, no one is going to save the world except Jesus. Amen?